You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. We can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today's fic is Have Love, Will Travel by Squee Monster, chapters 9 and 10. The rating for this fic is explicit. Pertinent tags for this fic include... Recluse Castiel, Exotic Dancer Dean, Past Trauma, Mental Health Issues, Lap Sex, Lap Dances, Fraudage, Face Fucking, Blowjobs, Anal Sex. Chapter 9 Once Dean and Sam say goodbye, Castiel lets Zeppi snoop around and investigate her new surroundings. He pulls blankets out of the hallway closet for her to sleep on and uses the bowls that Dean brought to give her some food and water. Even though Dean said she'd eaten at the clinic, she's obviously hungry again. Because the food is gobbled up so fast, Castiel suspects she inhaled it. Castiel eyes her warily as she walks around the apartment. He's happy to help Dean, as well as to provide safety for the dog. But the spontaneity of all of this has him feeling restless and nervous now that Dean isn't here. Not to mention that he's going to need to work up the nerve to take the dog outside to relieve herself, much likely sooner rather than later given how much she ate. He peeks out the window to the park across the street. It's dark outside the sun having set before Dean and Sam left. Rationally, Castiel knows his neighborhood is a safe one, especially given the proximity of the police precinct down the road. But rationality is rarely in control of Castiel's fears, and he's left wondering if the can of pepper spray and the stun gun he has for emergencies will be enough to protect both him and the dog if something happens. He hears a whine at his feet as he ponders it, and he looks down to find the dog staring up at him expectantly. His stomach churns with anxiety he feels as he realizes he'll have to summon up the nerve to take her outside. Saying a silent prayer that at least no daylight means odds are good he won't be forced to interact with people, Castiel pulls on his shoes, attaches Zeppi to her leash, stuffs the can of pepper spray in his pocket, and grabs his keys and the stun gun. 
As worried as he is, he can't help but be amused at the little dance the dog is doing as she realizes she's going outside, her bark sounding as if she's urging Castiel to move faster. In the elevator, the dog twirls and stands on her hind legs, pawing the air. Her eyes are bright and happy, and her tongue hangs out of the side of her mouth as she pants in excitement. She pulls Castiel through the lobby as the elevator doors open, yipping enthusiastically, and he jogs along behind her, worried she might yank so hard on the leash that he'll lose his grip. She wants to run across the street as soon as the door is open, but he guides her left so they can cross at the corner crosswalk. Once they reach the grass, she squats to relieve herself almost immediately, and Castiel eyes her speculatively. Are you housebroken? He asks, and she smirks up at him. Please be housebroken. It takes the dog a few minutes longer to sniff around and finish up her business, and Castiel watches their surroundings constantly, silently pleading with her to hurry. He can hear the blood rushing through his ears as his heart rate increases, and he's beginning to sweat from the anxiety. But as soon as the dog is done, she stands and places her front paws on Castiel's legs, asking to be picked up. He reaches for her and quickly returns to the crosswalk. As they cross the street and head back into the building, Castiel can feel his panic lessen, though he's not sure if it's because he's closer to home or because the bundle of fur in his arms is licking his chin and making him smile despite himself. Castiel wakes with a warm, furry body curled up against his back, and he can't find it in himself to care about the dog hair on the sheets as Zeppi twitches awake, hops down off the bed, and trots out of the room as if she owns the place already. He shuffles out of his bedroom after her to find her sitting in front of the door expectantly. No coffee, he mumbles, and he could swear she rolls her eyes at him. He gives in, pads back inside to pull on his sweats and sneakers. The trip across the street is easier for Castiel, if for no other reason than the sunrise is particularly breathtaking and its orange glow is distracting as it beams off of the early morning dew. Back inside, after a hearty breakfast for both of them, Castiel looks through the bag of toys that Dean brought, pulling each one out and observing the dog's reaction. She seems to be particularly fond of a soft yellow duck that quacks, so he plays fetch with her until they both grow tired of it. Once she seems ready for her mid-morning nap, Castiel powers up his computer to start work. Zeppi curling up on the blanket he laid out for her next to his desk. Just before noon, Castiel's phone rings, and he feels a little jolt of pleasure when he sees the number on his caller ID. Hello, Dean. Hey, Cass, how's it going? How's the dog? Things are well. She's been very well behaved so far. No accidents in the apartment at all, Castiel replies. He can hear hesitation in Dean's voice. So, you've been taking her outside? Not too scary? Castiel's stomach flip-flops over how concerned Dean sounds, and he smiles. 
I'll admit, last night was a bit trying, but this morning was a little easier for me. Thankfully, she doesn't seem to need to take too much time before she's finished. He can hear a sigh of relief across the phone. Okay, that's good. Dean pauses a moment before continuing. Cass, look, I just want to thank you again for doing this for us. It would have broken Sammy's heart if we'd had to just leave her outside to fend for herself like that. As I said before, I'm happy to help. She's a very sweet little dog, so she's been no trouble at all. Castiel hesitates before adding, In fact, it's been kind of nice to have the company. Dean chuckles. Good, I'm glad it's working out so far. You need anything else? I'm on my lunch break with the lawn service right now, but if you need anything, I might be able to swing by between here and the club tonight. No, I think you brought more than enough for us to get by, but thank you. Castiel replies, even as he's kicking himself. He would love the excuse to see Dean again so soon, but doesn't want to interrupt the man's busy schedule for his own selfish reasons. Okay, look, I gotta get back to work, but if you need anything, just give me a call on this number, all right? Yes, Dean, of course, but go back to work and don't worry about us. We'll be fine. All right, I'll... Oh, hey, I almost forgot, but where did you put her to sleep last night? I almost bought her a bed, but didn't know if she'd like it. Castiel leans an elbow against the desk, cradling the phone against his ear. I made her a pallet of blankets on the floor beside my bed, but at some point in the night she crawled into bed with me. He says, Lucky dog, Dean replies, voice deep and teasing. Castiel can feel himself flush, and he silently berates himself for letting Dean affect him so easily. He can't help but feel they are getting closer and closer to some precipice, and he wonders what it will take to push them over the edge. They say their goodbyes, Dean promising to call at some point that evening to check up on them, and Castiel insisting that it's not necessary, even if the thought of having another phone call to look forward to has him happy and excited. He looks down at Zeppi, who seems to be watching the phone call with interest, ears twitching. I bet you're wanting to go outside, aren't you? The dog jumps up and twirls in circles at the mention of going outside. Castiel sighs, smiling as he reaches for her leash. Dean does as he promised, calling Castiel that evening between his stage performance and VIP dances. They flirt shamelessly, Castiel grinning as he cradles the phone against his ear and listens to Dean's warm words. Castiel wonders how they can do what they've done at the club, yet still flirt as if this is all brand new for them. He supposes that in a way it is new, considering the circumstances. He just hopes they continue to take things further. He wakes Monday morning with a sense of panic. He slides a hand down his side, finding the soft, sweet head of the little dog, and pets her soft fur almost frantically. And gradually his hand slows down to slower, calmer strokes, 
until the churning in the pit of his stomach is gone and his pulse rate is normal. It occurs to Castiel that today is the day Dean promised he'd find a shelter to take Zeppi in, and as he scratches behind the dog's ears, deep in thought, she crawls up along his shoulders, licking his cheek once she reaches his face. He chuckles, worming his way out from under the covers to find some pants to put on so he can take her outside. She bounces around the room in excitement until he reaches down to attach her leash to her collar, then pulls him to the elevator outside, as she has every time. He yawns as she leads him to the corner crosswalk, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes as they cross the street and head into the park. He blearily notices that the sky is cloudy this morning, so there isn't much of a sunrise to see. But before he has time to wonder if it's going to rain today, Zeppi has finished her business and is dancing around his feet, begging to be picked up. Castiel gathers her into his arms, carrying her through the crosswalk, up the elevator, and back into the apartment, before he realizes that he hadn't brought his pepper spray or stun gun, and hadn't even missed them. In fact, it hadn't even crossed his mind to be afraid of being outside. This realization hits him as if he just walked into a brick wall, and in that moment, he knows what he must do. Sparing a look at the clock, he decides to feed Zeppi and take a shower before making the call. By the time he picks up the phone and starts dialing, it's close to 8 a.m. The line rings twice before Dean answers. Cass, what's wrong? Dean answers, out of breath. Nothing, Dean, nothing's wrong. I didn't mean to alarm you, Castiel says. He can hear loud noises in the background and realizes Dean must already be at the garage. Okay, so what's up? You need me to come get the dog now instead of later? I don't want you to pick her up at all, Castiel replies. There's a silence on the other end of the line for several seconds before Dean answers. Um, what? What are you saying, Cass? Castiel takes a deep breath. I'd like to keep her. Adopt her myself. Castiel knows the grin on Dean's face is huge because he can hear it through the phone. So, somebody's got her furry paws wrapped around your heart, huh? If I'd known all it took was a few wet licks to your face, I could have done that a long time ago, Cass. Castiel laughs. I can assure you, Dean, you wouldn't have to go to such lengths, but the wet licks would be appreciated all the same. He almost can't believe the words as they're leaving his mouth but Dean only chuckles in response. I'll keep that in mind then. Dean clears his throat before continuing. So, uh, do you need anything for her? I can help out with paying for stuff if you want, since I'm the one who brought her over and everything. He lets his voice trail off, and Castiel waits a moment to see if he's going to say anything else. When he's only met with silence, Castiel says, No, that won't be necessary at all. The only thing I ask of you is, um, well, I want you and Sam to think of her as yours, too. If it weren't for your unfortunate circumstances, she would be yours. So please, don't hesitate to visit with her, and to bring Sam over on Saturdays, if you both want, of course. Dean is quiet for many moments before Castiel hears him take a shaky breath. Cass, I don't, I don't know what to say. 
You have no idea what this means to Sammy and... and everything. The everything is so obviously what it means to Dean, and Castiel understands how difficult it is for Dean to accept a gift such as this, and to admit how much it affects him. So he lets the unsaid words pass them by, for now. I only ask that you do call first before coming over, he thinks to add. Unplanned things still make me nervous, so it would help. Oh, of course, Cass. We'd never just show up on your doorstep. I don't like unannounced visits either, believe me. Castiel smiles, and they finish up their conversation, with Dean promising to call and check up on them tomorrow. Procrastinating is easier with a pet dog, and after two hours of intense coaching Tuesday morning, Zeppi can shake hands. Dean phones just like he promised, and they chat briefly about the tricks Castiel is teaching Zeppi, as well as the crazy customer at the garage who threw a fit, insisting that one of the mechanics must have eaten Taco Bell while working on her car because she now can't get the smell out and then demanded her money back. Dean and Castiel are both in tears, laughing over what Bobby said in response to her, and Castiel hangs up the phone, wondering how he ever lived without Dean's daily phone calls. On Wednesday, Dean calls Castiel to inform him that he won't be working at the club that evening, because he's home in bed with the flu. Castiel spends the next 20 minutes doing his best to play nursemaid over the phone, while threatening to jump in his car and find Dean's apartment so he can take care of him in person. Dean swears up and down that he'll be fine, and that his neighbor upstairs, Ellen, is already aware of him being sick and checking in on him every few hours with pots of soup and lots of hot tea and brandy. On Thursday, Castiel calls Dean, and is relieved to hear that he stayed home from the garage again to sleep and try to get better. Dean is mad because no work, means no money, but Bobby had threatened to sue him for workplace endangerment if he came in with what he called the Mongolian rot and exposed everybody else to it. Castiel listens to his griping and whining until Dean is tired again and whispers sweet dreams to him as Dean yawns and sleepily hangs up the phone. On Friday, Dean is feeling much better and calls Castiel from the garage on his lunch break. They discuss Dean and Sam possibly visiting him and Zeppi on Saturday, and Dean says he'll call Castiel in the morning to firm up their plans. Castiel spends the rest of his afternoon doing his best to concentrate on writing, but he's too excited at the prospect of seeing Dean outside of the club again. He's been disappointed that he couldn't visit him Wednesday night, but he's starting to hope that maybe their friendship, or relationship, or whatever one would call it, is moving beyond VIP dances and strip clubs. As he stares at the blank page of the next chapter of his rough draft, there's a knock at the door. Zeppi jumps, barking at the noise as Castiel frowns and makes his way to the door. What he sees through the peephole makes him roll his eyes as he bends to pick up the dog and opens the door. What the hell is that yapping noise? 
What the hell is that hairy thing in your arms? Am I at the right apartment? Castiel widens the door to let Gabriel stroll inside before answering. I've got a dog now. This is Zeppi. Zeppi, this is the brother I told you about. Feel free to bite him whenever you want. Gabriel stands in the foyer, mouth gaping. What in the hell are you doing with a dog? Castiel sets Zeppi down on the floor so she can sniff out Gabriel. I, a friend, needed me to house her for a while, and when he couldn't take her, I offered to adopt her. At his brother's unimpressed look, he adds, She shakes hands. Gabriel raises an eyebrow. A friend? What friend might this be? Castiel darts his eyes around the room, knowing he looks shifty but not able to control himself. He'd not thought out a response to the question of just what or who Dean is to him. Just someone I've gotten to know recently. This someone wouldn't happen to be that hot-ass stripper from the club, would it? His brother snorts. Castiel sighs. For someone who loves his privacy, he seems to have a disturbing lack of it lately. You've been talking to Pamela again, haven't you? Smirking, Gabriel answers. Not talking so much as emailing. She said you've been making a lot of progress over the past few weeks, and a lot of it has to do with this guy. Castiel fidgets as he sits down on the sofa, Zeppi jumping up and settling in his lap. I'm not sure about the progress, but yes, Dean has been quite encouraging and inspirational for me. I bet, Gabriel snorts. So, let's say you take me out and show me how much progress you've made. Castiel eyes him suspiciously. Why? What's going on? Well, your big brother could use some cheering up. Gabriel sighs before continuing, leaning back into the soft cushions of the sofa and staring up at the ceiling. Callie broke up with me again. Again? I wasn't aware you two were back together. What happened? <sighs> I may have insinuated that I wouldn't be averse to one of her friends joining us for some love time, if you know what I mean. Gabriel mutters, but at least he has the decency to look slightly ashamed. Gabriel, Castiel gasps. Why would you say something like that? And to Callie, with her Krav Maga training, she could practically snap you in two with the blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah, trust me, I know, his brother answers ruefully. Her badassness was one of the many reasons I fell so hard for her. But it just hasn't been working anymore, not for a long time. And I figured that was an easy way out. Gabriel scowls, rubbing a hand across his face. I don't think I really thought that one through. She, um, considered beating the shit out of me, but just kicked me out instead. Frowning, Castiel stares at his brother in sympathy for several seconds. I'm sorry, Gabriel. It's never easy when a relationship ends. Yep, which is why you're taking me out to get me shit-faced. Gabriel stops long enough to award Castiel an exaggerated wink, preferably with a lapful of strippers. Lots and lots of strippers. Castiel sighs. I'll get my creeper coat.
He's nervous about visiting the club on Dean's off night, and wonders how Dean might feel if he knew Castiel visited knowing he'd be absent. But he shakes off the concern and decides to buy Gabriel a VIP dance with Casey, the woman he was so taken with on their first visit to the club, to cheer him up. Castiel does as all good brothers do, and makes sure to get Gabriel exceedingly drunk, starting him off with two bottles of wine at a nearby sushi restaurant. Gabriel sneaks the third bottle of wine out with them, and finishes it off in the car before they even get to the club. Which means, of course, that Gabriel is about ten times more obnoxious than his usual self once they arrive at Angels and Demons. But Castiel does what he can to ignore it, given how Gabriel has put up with him in the past. He excuses himself to go to the bathroom, using that moment to approach the VIP doorman and purchase the dance for Gabriel. He curses when he spots Gordon leaning against the wall outside of the VIP rooms, chewing gum and texting on his phone. Castiel had forgotten that Gordon was the bouncer on Friday nights, but is quickly reminded of how much he dislikes the man when Gordon looks up from his phone and smirks, gaze sliding up and down Castiel's body. So what brings you here on a Friday night, Constantine? I don't know how happy Tyler's going to be to see you here, unless you're willing to open up that wallet a bit more. Castiel knits his eyebrows in confusion. What's that supposed to mean? Tyler doesn't work on Friday nights anymore. Gordon chuckles, a rumbling, condescending noise that makes Castiel's skin crawl. Is that what he told you? You poor sucker. No, he just wanted you to stop taking time away from the big spenders on Friday nights. Seems as though you're not a big tipper, which is funny, since I figured you want to overcompensate for something. Castiel feels as if he's been punched in the gut. But I didn't know we were supposed to tip. If I'd known, I would have. He lets his words trail off, not necessarily wanting a response from Gordon, but not sure of what else to say. You didn't know? Damn, he wasn't kidding when he said you're a weird one. Gordon chides. But hey, since you're here, I guess he probably wouldn't mind shaking his junk in your face just so long as you start tipping him, you know? Gordon winks at him, and Castiel has a sudden, overwhelming urge to vomit all over the man's shoes. He swallows the bile down long enough to inform Gordon that he won't be needing any dances tonight, and hurries off to find Gabriel, mind reeling at the information. He can feel a panic attack coming on as he tries to work his way through the crowd, but he concentrates on getting his breathing regulated and under control. By the time he reaches their table, he's no longer struggling for air, but he still feels as if he's going to revisit his dinner at any moment. He grabs Gabriel's shoulder to gain his attention, and his brother whips his head around, a giant smile on his face from watching a group of rowdy women at the table next to them. When Gabriel sees Castiel's face, the smile disappears immediately. What's wrong? he asks. I have to leave. I'm sorry, Gabriel, but I can't be here. I have to go home. Castiel says, voice shaky. As drunk as Gabriel is, he's still able to realize the severity of the situation. Okay, sure. I'll go pay the tab and meet you out front, all right? 
Castiel shoots him a grateful look and a nod before turning around to struggle his way out of the club. The drive home is a somber one, Gabriel asking only once what happened. When Castiel says he doesn't want to talk about it, Gabriel mercifully leaves it alone. And when Castiel, the sober one, is the person who ends up kneeling on the bathroom floor, vomiting up the remains of his dinner, Gabriel still doesn't say a word, other than to remind Castiel to brush his teeth once there's no more left to come up. I'll call a cab, Gabriel says quietly as he walks Castiel back to his bed, and Castiel shakes his head even though the motion makes him dizzy. He waves his hand towards the door. There are spare bedrooms everywhere. Just pick one. As he says goodnight to Gabriel and closes the door to his bedroom, Castiel picks up Zeppi, who's been following closely at his heels ever since he got home. He squeezes her tight and buries his face in her fur. I'm glad you're here, he tells her. Castiel wakes the next morning to a pounding head and his phone ringing. A quick glance at the screen shows that it's Dean calling, but he lets it go to voicemail. He knows Dean is calling to schedule a time for him and his brother to visit the dog, but he can't bring himself to talk to the man. He curls onto his side, pulling the covers and Zeppi closer to him. She whines for a moment, but he can't find it in himself to care. Mess on the rug he mumbles. Have at it. He closes his eyes and tries to drift back to sleep, tries to forget what happened last night, but the attempt is futile. He replays over and over again what Gordon said, the cruel laugh and crueler words. He wonders if he has been nothing more than a joke to Dean all this time, if Dean goes back to the other dancers and the workers at the club, telling them everything Castiel said and did that night. Wonders if Dean calls him the trench coat creeper, like he's heard others say before. He can't think of any other reason why Dean would lie to him. Has everything been a lie? Were the kindnesses Dean paid to Castiel just a way to try to get more money out of him? Castiel wonders if Dean is disgusted by him, frustrated with the fact that he has no one else to turn to for help with the dog. As he thinks it, Zeppi whines softly, and when he cracks his eyelids open, she's watching him with sad brown eyes. I've been an idiot, he tells her. I thought it was special. I thought it was real. But it isn't, and that's why Dean has never asked to see him outside the club except for when he needed something from him. And it explains why Dean is still more than willing to keep dancing for Castiel and taking his money. He feels like such a fool. When his phone rings again about an hour later, Castiel has showered and had coffee. He's feeling better and more resolved, but he still doesn't answer his phone. He stares at it while it's ringing as if it's a ticking time bomb and Gabriel walks up behind him. Oh, so it's Dean that's the problem, huh? Okay, let me take care of it. 
he says, grabbing the phone from the counter. Castiel yelps, trying to steal the phone back before Gabriel answers, but his luck is once again horrible. Hello, Castiel's phone. Gabriel looks up at Castiel as he listens to what Dean says. Oh, Cassie is here, but he's very busy right now, if you know what I mean, right? But, uh, he can call you back as soon as he's not tied up anymore, okay? Castiel buries his face in his hands as he listens to the horrors that Gabriel is spouting. A small part of him almost wants Dean to think what Gabriel is leading him to believe, wants him to think Castiel isn't sitting around waiting for him. But mostly he's just sick at the thought of trying to hurt the man, and sicker still at the realization that Dean probably doesn't care either way. What's that? Oh, you just want me to tell him you're not coming over today? Yeah, I'll let him know. Don't feel too bad. I'm sure others will be coming over around here soon, so I doubt you'll be missed much. Gabriel winks at Castiel as he listens to Dean. Oh, yeah? You're a classy one, aren't you? Well, fuck you too, cowboy. Gabriel replies, ending the call and pulling the phone away from his ear to look at it. That's a feisty one you got there, Cass. Gabriel, that was completely unnecessary. Castiel groans. Gabriel rolls his eyes and slides the phone across the counter. I didn't notice you trying to stop me or taking the phone away, he responds. So, what the hell happened last night? Scowling, Castiel turns to pour himself another mug of coffee. I don't want to talk about it. I just... I heard some things that made me realize Dean isn't as fond of me as I'd hoped. So... The haughty dancer is leading you on to get more money out of you? Shit, Cassie, I could have told you that. It's like the oldest trick in the book. Well, not really, since whoring is the oldest trick in the book, but it's definitely the second oldest. Gabriel pauses to stare at Castiel for a moment, eyes sympathetic. So, how much money did he swindle out of you? Castiel looks down at the counter, watching his fingers as they tear apart a napkin. It's not the money, Gabriel. I don't care about that. And besides, he didn't get any money out of me that I didn't receive services for in return. He glances up to find Gabriel's eyebrows raised to his hairline in surprise. Not like that, he adds witheringly. By services, I mean dancing and... and lending me an ear to listen to my problems occasionally. He shrugs the awkwardness of the movement making him feel more vulnerable. It's that I thought he cared. I thought we were becoming friends. It's been so long since I've had a friend, someone who I thought was happy to see me. I just... It's disheartening to discover the truth. They stand in silence for a bit before Gabriel places a hand on Castiel's shoulder and squeezes in reassurance. It's going to be okay, buddy. You want me to go kick his ass? Castiel snorts, leaning into his brother's touch. No, thank you. I think I could hold my own with him anyways, given I'm closer to his physical stature and build than you. Is that your way of saying I'm short and scrawny? That may be true, but I fight dirty, you know. Gabriel replies, winking at him. That won't be necessary, but I appreciate it. 
for the offer and for listening to me. Eh, no biggie, little bro. And, um, just so you know, Gabriel pauses for a moment, waiting to have Castiel's attention. I'm proud of you. You've come a long way over the past couple months, so no matter what, you should be happy with yourself. Castiel smiles, grateful for his brother's words. Thank you. It does mean the world to me to have your support, Gabriel. It really does. All right, enough mushy crap. I need to go do something to reaffirm my manhood, like kill a bear or visit Hooters or something. Gabriel slaps his stomach as he pulls away from the counter. I believe there's a particularly vicious raccoon that's been doing damage at our dumpster, if you're interested in proving how manly you are. Castiel jokes thinly. Ha ha, bite me, smartass. Castiel spends the rest of the weekend moping around his apartment and trying to distract himself with work and Zeppi. The dog proves more successful at distraction than writing does, so he spends a good bit of time teaching her more tricks. He's pleased to find that she's highly intelligent, only taking an hour or so to learn each trick. On Saturday, he teaches her to sit on command, and on Sunday, she learns to heal and roll over. Castiel smiles as he thinks how impressed Sam will be at seeing her perform all her new tricks. Then his heart aches at remembering that odds are good that he and Zeppi may never see Sam or Dean again. He's considered what to do, if anything, about the knowledge that Dean only saw him as a customer, and a cheap one at that. He isn't sure if he could stand facing Dean, knowing what he knows, so he decides that he just won't return to the club again. If Dean only sees him as a hindrance, then it's doubtful that he'll be missed much, except for whatever cut he gets for the VIP dances. He wonders briefly if Dean might try to call him again. A part of him hopes that he doesn't, is afraid of the confrontation it would lead to. But a bigger part of him wants Dean to contact him, to try and figure out what went wrong, to prove that he does really care. As the days pass by without a word from him, Castiel realizes it's even more proof that he doesn't. When Wednesday rolls around, Castiel becomes restless, missing the thrill and excitement of knowing that in just a few short hours he'll get to see Dean again. He tries to concentrate on work, but he can barely even finish a sentence let alone making that sentence readable. He takes Zeppi on an extended walk through the park, not returning to the apartment for over an hour. It's the longest he's been out in the open in years, and the realization that he did it without panicking hits him as they ride the elevator back up to his floor. Instead of being afraid, Castiel found solace and peace outside, and this knowledge gives him an unfamiliar sense of strength and empowerment. With this realization, he also becomes aware that he will never be able to get past this thing with Dean without closure. Until he's able to face him and tell him what he knows and how much he feels used, he won't be able to move on and continue this path of healing. 
as much as it sickens and terrifies him. He needs to make one last trip to angels and demons. Castiel arrives at the club late, not wanting to sit at a table and watch the performances. Nursing a beer and getting more anxious by the minute, he walks straight to the hallway of the VIP rooms and approaches Ash. I'd like a dance with Tyler, please, he announces firmly. Waiting until last won't be necessary tonight. Ash shrugs but doesn't say anything else as he takes Castiel's money. Changing his mind about a drink, Castiel steers his way over to the bar and orders a shot of whiskey. He's not wanting to get drunk, especially given that he has to drive himself back home. He's just needing something to soothe his panicked nerves and steal his resolve. When Tyler Page is announced to the stage, Castiel can feel his heart skip several beats as his stomach drops to the floor. He turns slowly from the bar not able to keep himself from watching, even if he tried. The first notes of a raucous, aggressive guitar riff begin as Dean bounces on stage. He's wearing ripped, faded jeans, black combat boots, a tight black sleeveless mesh shirt with silver chains hanging from his waistband. There's a black dog collar around his neck with silver spikes jutting from it and a matching band around one wrist. His hair is spiked high, giving him the look of a punk rocker from the 70s or 80s, and he's got black eyeliner smudged around his eyes. His movements are bold and confrontational, daring the audience to join him, either on stage or just in clapping along to the song, Castiel can't be sure. He's sticking his tongue out lewdly and gyrating his hips to the beat, mouthing along to the words of the song. The audience, as usual, is working itself into a frenzy, soaking up everything Dean does like he's the snake in the garden tempting them with a taste. Castiel watches Dean, tries to see if he can read anything in his facial expressions that might give away if he's been bothered by the lack of contact with Castiel over the past several days. But there's nothing different from his usual stage persona. Castiel knows he shouldn't have expected a change, especially not when Dean is in front of an audience, but he still can't help but be disappointed. Once the routine is over, Castiel eyes Dean as he saunters off stage. The plan was to go to the VIP room immediately after Dean's performance so that he can get the confrontation over with and get out of here as quickly as possible. But now he's beginning to lose his nerve. Seeing Dean looking so happy and confident and beautiful as always has made him question his resolve, and he takes a moment to order another shot, nursing it for twenty minutes or so before taking a deep breath and pushing up to make his way to the VIP rooms. When he arrives outside the door, Ash raises a hand. He's just finishing off after the first customer. He says with a wink, he'll just be a couple of minutes. Castiel leans against the wall, fist clenching and unclenching in a useless attempt to stay his nerves. 
After five minutes have passed, Ash sticks his head in the door, mumbles, You ready? to Tyler inside the room, and Castiel can just barely hear an assent from the man inside. Ash opens the door wider to let Castiel through, and when he enters the room, he finds Dean playing with his iPod, back to the door. Castiel takes a few steps inside, but stops just as he reaches the sofa. He waits for Dean to turn around and notice him, saying a silent prayer of thanks for that second shot of whiskey, because otherwise he thinks he would have turned tail and left before Dean was even aware of his presence. When Dean turns and sees him standing there, the first emotion that flits across his face is relief. But he schools his face so quickly into an expression of indifference that Castiel can't be sure of what he saw. Dean smiles a cold smile, with not a drop of the warmth and fondness he's exhibited towards Castiel over the past several weeks. It pains Castiel to find it missing, and makes him wonder if what he's seen there all along was ever even real. But the pain of its absence can only hurt him so long before it turns into anger. So, Dean says icily, turning away from the music cabinet, good to see you could take the time for a dance tonight, especially if your, uh, extracurricular activities have been wearing you out lately. He narrows his eyes and clenches his jaw, pauses for a long moment, as if he's waiting to see if Castiel responds. But when Castiel just continues to stare, he goes on. You fancy anything in particular tonight? What's your pleasure, Cassie? Dean's anger and vitriol are completely uncalled for, given that Castiel is the one who's been wronged. And that's what pushes Castiel over the edge, gives him that last bit of nerve to strike out. My pleasure would be the truth. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Dean's voice is so loud and harsh it seems to surprise not only Castiel but Dean as well. Castiel takes several steps forward, bringing himself into Dean's personal space and letting him know he won't be backing down. It means you've been lying to me all this time, and I want to hear you admit it to me before I leave this room and never come back. Dean juts his chin forward in defiance, looking down his nose at Castiel. What the hell, Cass? I've never lied to you. If anyone's been lying, it's you. Castiel squints suspiciously. When have I ever lied to you? Um, hello? How about not telling me you were fucking some douchebag asshole while you've been coming here and seeing me, and flirting with me, and being all nice and helping me out with the dog and making me think you like me when, again, you're fucking some douchebag asshole on the side? Castiel shakes his head once, rolling his eyes. Dean, that douchebag asshole is my brother. Dean's face scrunches up in horror. You're fucking your brother? That's sick. Castiel gapes. What? Oh, Dean, please. I'm not having sex with my brother. That's not what I meant. Then why was your brother pretending that you were busy with fucking or whatever the hell he meant when I called? This was not going at all how Castiel had planned it. The last thing he'd expected was to be put on the defensive. 
I'm never sure why Gabriel does the things he does. He may have just been trying to get rid of you for me. Or maybe it was a form of payback. I don't know. Castiel's surprised at the concern and pain that crosses Dean's face at his words. If anything, he'd have expected anger and denial and callousness. He wasn't expecting to see his words wound. Cass, what's going on? Castiel squeezes his eyes shut, trying to shut out the open look of hurt on Dean's face. He's so confused, and he shouldn't still care about hurting Dean after everything, should he? Am I just a customer to you? He whispers. Is that all this has been? Dean stills at Castiel's words, so quiet that Castiel wonders if he's holding his breath. Cass, why the fuck would you ask that? Castiel opens his eyes and stares Dean down. Because Gabriel and I came to the club last Friday, and I spoke with Gordon, who told me you never stopped working Friday nights, and that you had me change nights because I was taking time away from your better-paying customers, and that you... Shit, fuck, God damn it! Gordon is such a fucking asshole, I'm going to rip his fucking head off! Dean snarls, turning away. Castiel watches his back as Dean rubs a palm across his face and continues to mutter profanities under his breath. Well, Castiel says, is it true? Or are you going to lie to try to hold on to my patronage for as long as you can? He regrets the words even as they're leaving his mouth, but yet he can't stop himself from saying it. He's pissed, and he wants to lash out and hurt as much as he himself has been hurt. But when Dean turns to face him with a look of such raw pain that it's almost as if Castiel had slapped him, he wishes with everything he is that he could take the words back. You really think so low of me that you think I'd lie to you about all of this, about everything we've said to each other over the past weeks, just to keep getting your money? Dean shakes his head, a weak, bitter smile on his face, eyes wide open, glassy and threatening to spill tears. If you believe that, Cass, then you don't really fucking know me at all. Dean shoves past him to take a seat on the couch. He leans forward to put his face in his hands, but grunts and pulls back long enough to rip off the dog collar and wristband. Castiel watches him, confused by Dean's reaction. He'd expected anger and denial not whatever it is that Dean seems to be going through, and surely he didn't expect to be feeling guilt or hearing Dean hurling these accusations at him. Castiel had been so sure he was in the right here, but now he's not sure of anything. Dean, if that's not the reason you asked me to start visiting on Wednesdays, then what's the real reason? Castiel notices Dean's shoulders begin shaking, and Castiel starts an alarm before he realizes that Dean is laughing. The man looks up at him, mouth twisted and a rueful smile as he says, What's really funny is that if I'd just told you the truth to begin with, none of this would have happened. But I was too much of a chicken shit to tell you the real reason. Which is? Castiel encourages. Dean scrubs at his face, smearing the black eyeliner. Ah, oh, shit, Cass, can you at least sit down while I tell you this? I feel weird looking up at you, okay? 
Castiel sighs, but does as Dean asks, sitting down on the couch next to him. They're each sitting on opposite ends, and they sit facing the front instead of looking at each other as Dean continues to talk. I asked you to start coming on Wednesday nights, because I didn't want Gordon to be around when we were doing our thing. Castiel looks over at Dean, but Dean just continues to stare at the floor in front of him. And why is that? Castiel nudges. Dean sighs in frustration. Because, Cass, because I didn't want that asshole snooping around and getting in the way of whatever was happening between us. I didn't want to be worried about him figuring out what was going on and telling my boss. And what exactly is happening between us? Castiel does his best to remain wary and suspicious because he knows Dean could just be lying to get out of trouble, to hang on to his money every week. But deep down he also knows that the man he's gotten to know over the past couple months, the man who loves his little brother as much as he so obviously loves Sam, that man is too honorable to tell lies like that. Dean sighs, exasperated. Seriously, Cass? You're going to make me say it? I think at this point I do need to hear you say it, yes. Castiel replies quietly. Dean groans and leans back against the upholstery, hiking a foot up and underneath himself and facing more towards Castiel. He hides his face in his palm as he murmurs, I don't think I've ever liked anyone as much as I like you. I think about you all the time when I'm not worrying over Sam. I think about you so much that I've almost lost fingers twice at the garage, and Bobby has threatened to kick me out more than once because of how goofy I've been. He pauses to glance quickly at Castiel before turning to stare at the wall. Wednesdays are my favorite days of the week now because I know I'm going to see you, and Thursdays are my least favorite because it's too far away from when I'll see you again. He clears his throat before continuing. I almost like it more when we talk instead of, you know, other stuff. Because you're so fucking weird and you make me laugh and you make me feel like maybe I'm not so alone. And your eyes. Dude, I don't know if you know this, but smarter people than me could write epic long poems about your eyes and make a shitload of money. They're that fucking gorgeous and hot. And I've stayed awake for hours at night thinking about your hands and wanting more than anything to know what they feel like on me. He pauses, head turning slowly to stare at Castiel, and if Castiel had more strength, had more control over his senses and actions right now, he'd probably try to close his mouth, because he knows he must look like a fish with it opening and closing, but at this moment he feels he's lucky that he's even still breathing. Thank God Dean doesn't seem to need a reply from him before continuing. I knew if you came on a night when Ash was the bouncer, he wouldn't give a shit what we got up to. And that if you waited until you were the last customer of the night, we could do whatever the hell we wanted and for however long we wanted. I knew I shouldn't have lied about the reason why. But I was scared, Cass. I was scared that you only thought of me as a dancer, someone you were paying to take his clothes off and you never thought about me past that. He throws up his hands. And fuck, Cass, do you really need me to go on? 
I can if you want, but I already feel awkward as fuck, and I don't know if any of this will make any difference to you. And I don't even know if you believe me or not, and damn it, you're not saying anything. I feel the same way about you. Castiel whispers, finally gaining enough control over his voice to speak. Dean's head snaps up, eyes searching Castiel's to find the truth in his words. Castiel allows the search, meeting Dean's gaze and not looking away. Whatever he finds in Castiel's eyes must give Dean confidence because he slides across the couch, closing the distance between them, pulling himself up warm and solid against Castiel. Oh, thank God, he croaks. He lifts his arms as if he's about to wrap them around Castiel, but pauses at the last second. I want to hug you, man. Can I hug you? He asks, eyebrows lifted in question. Castiel huffs in amusement and nods his head. He takes a deep breath as Dean awkwardly wraps his arms around his neck. Castiel slowly lifts a hand to pat his back, but lowers it again to his own leg, still unsure about touching Dean himself, given the circumstances. So, does this mean that you believe me, then? Dean whispers against Castiel's ear, sending shivers down his back. Yes, Dean. Castiel sighs against his cheek. I'm sorry, I should have just come to you first instead of believing anything Gordon has to say. Dean rubs his cheek against Castiel's stubble, the scritch-scritch-scritch sound magnified in the stillness of the room. It's okay, man. I get not being able to trust people. You and Bobby are the first people I've trusted outside Sam in, like, ever. He murmurs against Castiel's neck. Castiel is grasping the arm of the couch with one hand, and the leg of his pants with the other, not knowing if he's allowed yet to put his hands where they want to go. Dean's warm, wet breaths against his ear and neck are driving him to distraction, his scent of leather and musk making Castiel want to find out if he tastes as delicious as he smells. Dean wraps one hand to the nape of Castiel's neck, sliding the fingers of his other hand through his hair, cradling him in place. Cass, he whispers against his ear. Touch me. Castiel moans as he unclenches his fists, opening his hands to slide his fingers along Dean's arms and around his back. He slips his fingers underneath the mesh of Dean's shirt, feeling as if Dean's fevered skin is scorching his fingertips. Strong muscles flex as Castiel splays his hand along Dean's spine playing the knobs of his vertebrae, as if Dean were an instrument. Finally, finally, he's touching the skin that he's fantasized about for so long, and the reality is inexplicably even better than his dreams. Dean's body shivers beneath his touch, skin silky and delicate, hiding the strength of the man inside. Castiel finds himself overwhelmed by these senses he's been denied for so long, to be able to touch and taste after only ever being able to look and smell, has him feeling lightheaded, his nerve endings singing from overexposure. Dean leans his forehead against Castiel's, eyes closed and panting as he soaks in Castiel's touch. Castiel watches, eyes wide and waiting until finally he decides he can't stand to wait another second. 
and I kiss you, Dean. Dean opens his eyes, staring back at him while a smile slowly spreads across his face. I thought you'd never ask, Cass. They continue to stare at each other for several seconds longer, before Castiel says, So, is that a yes, then? Dean laughs, dropping his forehead on Castiel's shoulder, before looking back up at him with a grin. Just kiss me, smartass. Castiel smiles shyly, before grabbing Dean's shirt and pulling him towards him. Just before their lips meet, they pause to look at each other, both waiting for the other to make the final push forward. Castiel is the one to make the leap, placing his palm against Dean's cheek before placing a gentle kiss against his lips. As first kisses go, this one is particularly chaste, especially given everything they've already seen and done with each other. But when Castiel goes in for another taste, licking the seam of Dean's lips, Dean's chest rumbles with a groan that urges Castiel further. And before he knows it, he's pushed Dean back against the couch and crawled into his lap. He stares down at Dean, laughing at the look of shock across the man's face. How the hell did we get here? Dean says, gasping. Castiel strokes a thumb across Dean's cheek, tracing the line of freckles there. Oh, I don't know, he murmurs. It kind of feels like we've always been working our way to here, don't you think? Dean rolls his eyes as he slides warm hands along Castiel's sides. Less existentialism, more kissing, please. Castiel is happy to oblige, clutching Dean's head between his hands as he leans down and captures his bottom lip with his teeth. Kinky bastard, Dean mumbles against his mouth before opening up and letting Castiel in. Castiel licks his way across Dean's teeth and past them, finding Dean's tongue and sliding his own against it. Dean moans at the slick feel of it, moving his hands up to grasp Castiel's head and pull him down harder. He sucks on Castiel's tongue, pulling away long enough to catch his breath and suck on his upper lip before diving back in. They both seem so carried away with finally being able to touch and kiss and taste that they don't realize they're rutting against each other until they've almost lost control. Dean is the one to pull back, to push Castiel away first, leaving Castiel grumpy and not wanting to stop. Dean, I wasn't finished. He pants against his neck. Groaning, Dean squirms his hand between him and Castiel, gripping his shoulders and pushing him away. Yeah, Cass, neither was I, but, uh, I kind of don't want to do this anymore. Castiel stills, staring down at Dean and resisting the urge to rub his erection against Dean for more blessed friction. You're joking with me, right? Why were we just doing this if you didn't want to do it anymore? What? No, Cass, not this. Dean waves a hand in the space between the two of them. But this, here, in this room under these circumstances. He elaborates, waving a hand around the room. Castiel narrows his eyes, tilting his head as he tries to understand what Dean is saying. So you're saying you don't want to do this here anymore. Dean grabs Castiel's hand and begins playing with it, 
entwining their fingers and stroking the bones of his knuckles. Yeah, I want... This is something real between us, Cass, and it doesn't have anything to do with the club anymore. I want to start seeing you outside of the club. I don't want you to be a customer anymore. I mean, if that's what you want, too. He lets his voice trail off as he stares down at their hands, waiting for Castiel's response. Castiel lifts his other hand and runs his fingers through Dean's hair, trying unsuccessfully to soften and flatten the gelled-up spikes. He leans down to kiss Dean on the forehead before whispering, I would like that very much, Dean. Dean lets loose a breath before giving Castiel another lengthy kiss. One kiss turns into three, turns into full-on dry humping, before Dean is again gripping Castiel's shoulders and pushing him away. You're a fucking evil tempter, you know that? Here I am, trying to protect my virtue, and you're all but handing me that dick of yours on a silver platter, he chides. If a silver platter is what it will take to get you to surrender, I'm sure it can be arranged, Castiel murmurs as he licks a line along Dean's neck. Chuckling, Dean pushes Castiel away as he stands up, jeans tinting in an absurdly comical way. Enough. I need to get home so I can jack off like a proper gentleman and get some sleep, and you need to go and learn how to control your urges better. He offers a hand to Castiel to help him off the couch. So, when can our first official date be? He says, waggling his eyebrows. Castiel chuckles. What about Saturday night? If you want, you can bring Sam over during the day to visit with Zeppi, then take him home and return that evening. Would you be able to take off from the club? He asks, leaning over to grab his coat. Once again, he's grateful he remembered to bring the coat along, because he doesn't fancy trying to walk through the club hiding the effects of their makeout session. Uh, yeah, I can probably swing that. Nick owes me anyway, so I can get him to cover my shift. He'd be happy to get the extra tips. Dean doesn't stop touching Castiel as he walks him to the door, running a hand along his back stroking his shoulder blades and leaning in to kiss Castiel's neck. Castiel stops at the door and turns, wrapping his arms around Dean and pulling him tight. I missed you, Cass. Dean mumbles against the fabric along his shoulder. I missed you, too. I'm sorry. Castiel whispers back, leaning in to nuzzle at Dean's jaw, tongue peeking out to sneak a taste. He will never get enough of tasting and touching now that he can. They stand there, holding on to each other until Dean yawns. Castiel pulls back, laughing. And I suppose that's my cue to say goodnight. He lays a palm against Dean's cheek, before leaning in to place a lingering kiss on his lips. When he pulls back, they gaze at each other with matching smiles on their faces. Good night, Dean. Good night, Cass. Sweet dreams.
Chapter 10 Dean glides through the next two days in a happy haze, not even ashamed to be caught wearing a goofy grin by co-workers. His only complaint is that Saturday takes way too fucking long to get here, but once it does, he wakes up bright and early and rushes out to get started on his morning job with the lawn care service. He only has a handful of yards to take care of, before driving back to his apartment to get cleaned up so he can pick up Sam. Sam seems suspicious the moment he climbs in the car, long, awkward limbs folding into the seat. He stares at Dean for a couple of beats, and Dean flushes because he knows there's no point in trying to hide anything from him. Sure enough, Dude, what's going on? Sam asks, eyes narrowed. Dean keeps his eyes on the road, pulling out from the curb and heading to Big Pepe's for lunch. Um, with what? You keep trying not to smile. The only time you do that is when you're about to prank me or you're trying not to laugh at me. Sam side-eyes Dean suspiciously before adding, or when you got lucky the night before. Dean can't help the full-on grin that breaks out on his face at that, and Sam rolls his eyes. Oh, ew, Dean. Who's the unlucky girl this time? You didn't hook up with a waitress at the club again, did you? I'd hoped you learned your lesson after that psycho one almost got you fired. Hey, I thought we agreed we'd never speak of that again, Dean whines, shuddering. So, without all the graphic details, or really without any details at all, who's got you looking so happy? I feel like I should thank her, because I haven't seen you looking this relaxed in, like, forever. Dean coughs and clears his throat. Nervous to admit to his brother that the she is actually a he. But he knows if he doesn't fess up, the kid will figure it out as soon as they get to Cass's. It's, uh, it's Cass. Sam stares at him, his mouth open wide. Dean glances over at him every few seconds, wondering if he just discovered there's a way to render his brother mute. Dude, do you plan on saying anything else today, or you want me to start driving around and looking for some sign language classes? I knew you were flirting, Sam exclaims. Dean winces at the noise level of Sam's screech, trying to keep his attention focused on the road, instead of the obnoxious little brother having a laughing fit in the seat next to him. Sammy, I swear to God, if you don't stop laughing, I will pull over and beat the shit out of you, and then give you a wedgie. And then call your girlfriend and tell her you still sleep in diapers. Your threats to call Jess won't work anymore, because I told her all about you and said not to believe anything you ever say to her. Sam retorts, wiping the tears from his eyes. Yeah, well, we'll see how much she listens to that when I tell her you like to stare in the mirror and sing I Feel Pretty. Dean? Dean sighs as he pulls into a parking space at Big Pepe's and turns the engine off. Look. Sammy, I I was worried as fuck to tell you this, okay? And you laughing doesn't do anything to make me feel better. He leans forward, resting his forehead against the steering wheel. It's already hot as the Sahara in the car, even though he only just turned the AC off, and he grimaces as a bead of sweat rolls down his neck and between his shoulder blades. He can feel Sam's eyes boring into him, and he finally turns his head to meet his little brother's gaze. You really like this guy, don't you? Sam asks quietly, a look of surprised wonder on his face. Chewing his lip, 
Dean lets loose the breath he didn't know he was holding. Yeah, I really kind of do. He's different, Sam. He's weird and super smart and funny, even though half the time I don't think he means to be. And he's nice, and he just, he seems to get me, you know? Dean refrains from listing the other ways he likes Cass. How fucking off the charts hot the dude is. How sometimes Dean almost comes in his pants just thinking about the guy's mouth. How his voice is like an instant hard-on for him. How he wants to suck on the man's fingers for hours. Yeah, Dean thinks to himself, to say I got it bad would be the understatement of the century. He watches as Sam turns to look out of the windshield and leans back in his seat. After several beats, Sam sighs and says, Well, at least your taste is improving. I think Cass might actually be worthy of you. Maybe. If anybody ever asks Dean why he thinks his brother is pretty much the greatest little brother anyone could ever have, he'll point them to this moment. They quickly scarf down lunch, and as Sam finishes off his soda, Dean takes a moment to call Cass and let him know they'll be arriving at his place soon. Sam smirks at him across the table as Dean blushes while talking to Cass, unable to keep the grin off his face. Dean wads up tiny pieces of napkin and lobs spitballs at him in retaliation for the teasing, but Sam just dodges them and keeps on laughing until Dean hits him in the middle of his forehead with a painful-sounding thwack of his palm. Hey, that hurt, asshat! Sam whines as he rubs the red spot forming on his forehead. Dean says goodbye to Cass and tisks at his brother. Serves you right for being such a dick when I was on the phone. I wasn't being a dick, I was just smiling while watching you blush and bat your eyelashes talking to your boyfriend. Oh, that's it. I can't be held responsible for anything that happens to you from here on out. Dean says, leaning across the table in a flash to stuff a particularly wet spitball into Sam's ear. Ew, Dean, you're so disgusting. Why anyone would want to go out with you is a mystery, Sam says, wiping his ear out with a dry napkin. Hey, not even an hour ago you were talking about how awesome I am, Dean protests. Sam scoffs. Yeah, well, that was before you reminded me what an asshole you are. Dean scoots out from behind the booth, laughing as he pulls a couple of bills out of his pocket and throwing them on the table for a tip. Yeah, whatever, Bambi. Come on, let's go before Cass starts to think we killed each other. When they arrive at Castiel's apartment, Sam thankfully tones down his annoying little brother tendencies, greeting Cass as if he's none the wiser about the relationship between him and his big brother. He does take a moment to look back at Dean and give him a smirk before bending down to pick up Zeppi, laughing at how she wriggles in excitement. Dean and Cass smile at one another, 
both ridiculously shy and nervous and not sure what to say to each other. Dean wants nothing more than to reach for Cass, pull him forward and into his arms, and kiss the breath out of him. But he's not so sure Cass is ready for doing that in front of other people. Hell, Dean's not sure if he's ready for it, especially not in front of Sam. But still, he can't help but keep looking at Cass and biting back a grin, feeling like the cat that got the canary. It doesn't help that Castiel is wearing faded jeans and a form-fitting tee, not too tight, but just tight enough to give Dean a good idea of the corded muscles across his arms and back. What Cass has been hiding under the ill-fitting business suit and trench is that he's fit as hell, and Dean's mouth waters a bit as he imagines being with someone who can give as good as he gets. He's never really been with someone as strong as Castiel looks, and his imagination starts to run a little crazy at all the possibilities that could mean in bed. Dean shakes his head to try to clear his mind a bit, now really not being the time to start fantasizing about all of the things he wants to do to Cass, or to have Cass do to him. He looks back up at him, catching the man staring at him with lips parted and wet. He leans forward, wrapping his index finger and thumb around Cass's wrist as he whispers, I can't wait until tonight. Castiel huffs a breathy laugh, and Dean can feel his eyes on his back as he walks into the den, taking a seat on the floor next to Sam and ruffling Zeppi's fur. The dog has gained a couple of pounds since they dropped her off two weeks ago, and seems really happy and content. It looks as though Cass has done as much for her as she's been doing for him, and even though Dean doesn't really believe in fate or destiny or any of that bullshit, he can't help but think maybe they were meant to find her and bring her here. I discovered earlier this week that there's a dog park on the outskirts of the park across the street. Castiel says, standing above them. I thought it might be fun for us to go there with Zeppi this afternoon, especially since the weather is so nice. Sam laughs as Zeppi climbs up his chest to lick his cheek. That'd be awesome, Cass. You want to go now? Castiel nods. I'm ready whenever you both are. Sam and Dean stand up and make their way to the door, while Cass grabs Zeppi's leash and tries to still her wiggling body long enough to snap it on. He hands the leash over to Sam, letting the brothers walk in front of him as he locks the door behind them. As they step into the elevator, he places his hand against the small of Dean's back, rubbing circles with his thumb and sending shivers all the way down to Dean's toes. Oh yeah, it's going to take every ounce of self-control Dean has not to dry hump this guy into next year before their date tonight. That afternoon at the park is pretty much one of the best afternoons Dean has ever had. It's a warm, sunny day, just this side of too hot, but the breeze through the trees is enough to keep everyone from bitching about the heat. Dean leans back in the grass on his elbows, enjoying the shade from a large oak tree. Cass has his back propped against the trunk of the tree and is busy watching Sam play with Zeppi. 
Dean sneaks glances at Cass through hooded lashes, amazed at how loose and free he seems from the first time they met. His back is still a little straighter than how most people would sit, but Dean can spy a hint of a slouch in the man's broad shoulders. He smiles more often now, but still not near enough to Dean's liking. Dean's quickly growing a fondness for the way Cass's nose scrunches when he smiles big, all gummy teeth and crinkles around the edges of his eyes that shouldn't be anywhere near as adorable as they actually are. The man still seems almost surprised when he finds himself laughing every once in a while, kind of like he's not used to doing it. And Dean vows to himself to make Cass laugh as much as he can, no matter what he has to do to bring it out. He's pretty sure the man's deep-chested giggle could make unicorn shit sparkles and save the lives of puppies and kittens everywhere. And Dean has to hide a smile behind his hand at the thought of what Cass would say if he ever told him that. Cass starts showing Sam all the tricks he taught Zeppi, and it's amazing to see how much she minds him. She's not a bad dog to begin with, but when Cass is in front of her, it's like she can't take her eyes off him just waiting to see what he has to say. Dean chuckles to himself as he realizes he can relate to that. Sam and Dean's favorite trick, by far, is the shoot-em-dead trick. Cass points his index finger at the dog, his thumb perpendicular. Bang, bang, he says, face serious. Zeppi rolls over onto her back, curling herself into a comma shape and sticking her legs up in the air. She sticks her tongue out and plays dead like she's been stiff for days, and it's simultaneously hilarious and cool as fuck. Both Dean and Sam fall over into the grass, clutching their stomachs in fits of laughter. Cass has a smug, proud look on his face as he sits back down, leaning against the tree as Zeppi jumps in his lap. Cass, oh my god, that shit is hilarious, Dean struggles to say, wiping tears from his eyes. Where the hell did you learn to teach her that? Clearing his throat, Cass looks down at Dean, who's lying face up in the grass, head parallel to Cass's thigh. YouTube has many uses, he says. Dean stares up at him, holding his breath, as he watches Castiel reach down to run a hand through his hair. When he pulls it back, he shows Dean a blade of grass that was apparently stuck in his hair, and they continue to gaze at each other until they hear Sam cough. Oh yeah, Dean thinks, we're kind of in public, with my little brother. So, Cass, what other tricks does she know? Sam asks. Castiel scoots forward, closer to Sam, and Dean struggles to resist the urge to run his fingers up under the man's t-shirt, what with the hem of the shirt riding up and exposing pale skin underneath. Fuck, he thinks. If I survive until tonight without dying of blue balls, I deserve a fucking medal. As the sun begins to set... Dean and Sam walk Castiel and Zeppi back to the apartment, and things start to feel awkward again as they begin to say their goodbyes. 
both Dean and Cass aware they'll be seeing each other again in just a few short hours. So, uh, did you have any place in mind of where you want to go tonight? Dean asks, watching Sam say goodbye to Zeppi and trying not to sound too much like a dork on prom night. Castiel leans against the back of the sofa, crossing his arms across his chest. Actually, I was thinking I might cook us dinner instead of going out, he replies. If you don't mind, of course, he adds quickly. Dean knows the reason for staying in is most likely due to Cass's aversion to going out in public, but he can't help hoping that maybe it has something to do with privacy and getting Dean all to himself as well. Whatever the reason, though, he's totally on board with it. No way, I don't mind at all. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on if you're a good cook or not, and what you're planning on fixing. Please tell me you're not a vegetarian. I don't know if I can ever recover if you don't eat meat. Dean is cringing before the words have even left his mouth, but thankfully Castiel doesn't catch on to the sexual innuendo, because he only chuckles before saying, No, actually, I had planned on making lasagna. Lots of red meat and cheese but there will be a salad beforehand. As long as you bring the meat, I don't mind some tossed salad. Seriously? Did I seriously just say that? Dean wonders if it's possible for a person to consume their entire foot in one gulp while he watches Castiel's eyes go wide as he chokes in response to his words. I don't know whether to be horrified by that or to give you some sort of medal, Castiel replies, face red from coughing but eyes glittering with amusement. Shut up. This is how you know I'm me and not a pod person. Dean mutters, blushing in spite of himself at the way Cass is smiling at him. I always stick my foot in my mouth at least once per conversation. You ready, Dean? Sam stands up and starts walking towards the door. Yep, let's head out, Freakazoid, Dean says, turning to follow. Thanks for letting us come, Cass, Sam says. I had a lot of fun today. Cass smiles, reaching out a hand to Sam for a handshake. It was my pleasure, Sam. I don't know if Dean's told you yet, but you're both welcome to visit any time. I consider Zeppi just as much your pet as mine. Sam looks down at Castiel's hand, but instead of grasping it with his own, he steps forward and wraps his arms around the man. Castiel seems stunned at first, unsure of what to do. His body is stiff, arms hanging down limp at his sides while he looks over Sam's shoulder at Dean. Dean is holding his breath, watching and waiting to see how Cass will respond, his heart twisting at how fucking sweet his little brother can be when he wants to be. When Cass lifts his arms and wraps them around Sam, squeezing him into a tight hug, Dean pretty much loses it, has to turn away before he starts crying like a fucking baby. It was really important to him that Sam and Castiel got along well, but he'd had no idea just how important until now. This is a huge concern that's been lifted off his shoulders. If Sam hadn't liked Cass, then anything going further between Dean and Cass would have been a no-go. Thanks for everything, Cass, Sam mutters against his shoulder. Cass looks up at Dean and holds his gaze. You're welcome, Sam. Dean smiles a watery smile at him before clapping his hands, breaking this scene up before it turns even more chick-flicky. All right, Samantha, let's get this show on the road before you start your period. Gross, Dean, Sam protests, pulling away from Cass and starting for the door. 
Bye, Cass. I'll see you later. He mumbles, opening the door and walking out into the hallway. Dean winks at Cass as he turns from the doorway. See you about eight o'clock? Yes, eight would be perfect, Cass replies. Dean follows Sam to the elevator, but stops about halfway down the hallway. Uh, wait a minute, I forgot something, he mutters, not able to resist sneaking back for a moment. You go on down, I'll meet up with you in a sec. Sam smirks, but doesn't say a word as he steps onto the elevator. Dean walks quickly back to Castiel's door, knocking three fast taps with his knuckles before Cass opens it. His brow knits in confusion as he sees Dean, but can barely say, What? before Dean has nudged the door open and placed a hand on each shoulder, pushing Cass against the wall and trapping him there as he presses against him. Sliding a hand up to cup Cass's jaw, Dean leans in, pressing his mouth against Cass's urgently, licking a path in to find Cass's tongue and teasing it with his own. Cass gasps, hands grabbing onto Dean's waist and pulling him in tighter before Dean slips a thigh between Cass's own. Cass moans at the friction against his dick, throwing his head back and knocking it against the wall. Ow, he mutters, panting, as Dean laughs and nuzzles at the bolt of Cass's jaw. Kissing his way back over to his mouth, Dean presses a sweet kiss against his lips. Just needed a taste to get me by until tonight, he breathes into Cass's mouth. He can feel Cass's hands flexing, gripping his waistband tighter. Dean, if you don't leave now, I may not be able to let you leave before I have my way with you, Cass growls. Dean huffs, trying to catch his breath. Point taken. I'll see you tonight, Cass. He turns to leave, clinging to Cass's hand and staring back at him as he opens the door. Don't be late, Dean, Castiel chides doing his damnedest to look proper while sporting a hard-on through his jeans that a porn star could be proud of. Dean laughs as he closes the door behind him. Don't you worry about that, Cass. When Dean slides into the driver's seat, he can feel Sam staring at him with a stupid grin on his face. Get what you needed? Dean starts the car, refusing to look at his brother. Shut up, he murmurs out of the side of his mouth. Sam snorts as they drive away. Two hours later finds Dean knocking on Castiel's door again, this time alone. Before Cass even opens the door, Dean can smell something delectable cooking. And when he gets a glimpse of Cass, hair sticking out in every direction. Seriously, if Dean thought his hair before was sex hair, then this is fucked into the mattress and put away wet hair. And a splotch of red meat sauce on his cheek. He can't help but push Cass against the wall and lick the sauce off his face. Castiel grunts, feigning an attempt to push Dean away, but it's obvious his heart isn't in it, especially when he starts laughing. Cass, I think this may be the best sauce I've ever tasted, Dean murmurs, smiling against Cass's mouth. Matching the grin with his own, Castiel takes the time to nibble at Dean's lip before answering. 
would that be because it tastes just that good? Or because you could taste me along with it? Dean cackles before pulling back. You're a cocky son of a bitch, aren't you? Castiel raises an eyebrow. I notice you didn't answer the question. Yeah, yeah, you're a nummy treat. When's dinner ready? Rolling his eyes, Castiel places a hand on Dean's chest, pushing him away so he can walk into the kitchen. I just need to pop the garlic bread in the oven, and the lasagna should be done about the same time the bread is. Oh my god, you made garlic bread? I don't know if I should marry you or be offended. Castiel tilts his head in that way that reminds Dean of a baffled puppy. Why would you be offended by garlic bread? Uh, that's not the best thing to be eating if you plan on getting lucky later, if you know what I mean. Dean scoffs. The bitch-faced cast sports makes Dean wonder if Sam had had time to give him lessons earlier today. That's what mouthwash is for, Dean. Oh, well in that case, garlic me up, Master Chef, Dean says, winking across the counter at Cass. Cass shakes his head and does his best to look exasperated as he slides the sheet of breadsticks in the oven under the lasagna. When he turns his back, Dean has maneuvered his way around, placing a hand on the counter to either side of him, trapping him. How long until it's done? He asks, kissing a line down the side of Cass's neck. About fifteen minutes. Cass whispers, voice hoarse. Dean grins against the fluttering pulse underneath Cass's skin. Fifteen minutes is plenty of time for a damn thorough makeout session, don't you think? He asks playfully, running a finger under the hem of Cass's shirt. I was planning on us eating our salads while we waited for dinner to be ready. Cass says, voice shaky. Dean pulls his head back far enough to meet Cass's eyes. Are you seriously saying you'd rather eat rabbit food than make out with me? He watches Cass's eyes follow his tongue as he licks his lips. Good point, murmurs Cass, before grabbing Dean's hand and pulling him into the den. They have to push Zeppi off the couch, because she seems to think that house guest equals playmate, and Dean laughs as Cass mutters to the dog, Dean is here to play with me, not you tonight. Castiel's couch is big enough for them to lay on their sides facing each other, and they quickly lose themselves in the moment, hands never gaining enough purchase of each other's skin, tongues never finding enough places to taste and discover. Cass slides a leg over Dean's, slipping a hand underneath the waistband of Dean's jeans to grip his ass. Dean groans at the touch, rolling his hips against Cass. Dean works his way down Cass's neck, gasping when he feels Cass's erection against his thigh. Cass begins rocking his hips, desperate for friction against his dick. And when Dean finally works a leg in between Cass's, he almost comes when Cass reaches down and grabs his denim-clad cock. Oh, fuck, Jesus, Cass, you feel so fucking amazing. Dean mumbles, not sure of what he's saying, but just feeling the urgency to say something, while bells and whistles go off in his head to celebrate that he's highly likely to get laid in a really fucking epic and monumental way tonight. Or maybe not so much bells and whistles as high-pitched beeping that goes on and on, 
and as it continues, Dean also starts to smell something strange, like something burning. Before he can say something, though, he feels Castiel's body go still next to him, before the man jumps up and starts trying to disentangle himself. Fuck, 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 the garlic bread is burning, Cass yelps, panicked. He clambers over Dean, tripping on his jeans and knocking a knee into the coffee table. Dean hisses in sympathy and watches as Castiel stumbles into the kitchen, grabbing an oven mitt and pulling the oven door open. Smoke billows out, and Castiel continues cursing. But as sad as Dean is about no garlic bread, he's pretty damn okay with it, considering the hot-ass making out that caused the destruction. He watches from the sofa as Castiel tries to salvage what he can of the bread. Hey, Cass, you need me to do anything? He's not sure how much good he'll do, given the painfully hard erection he's still sporting, but he's willing to try all the same. He hears Castiel sigh as he wipes his brow with the back of his arm. No, thank you. Just, why don't you put on some music? I've got iTunes set up on my laptop over there on my desk. Wait, you mean you don't have a proper stereo? Castiel shrugs. I didn't think one was necessary, since my computer seems perfectly acceptable for listening to music. Dean hangs his head, feeling shame for the man. Dude, Cass, you have so much to learn. Thank God you have me in your life now. Yes, I thank my lucky stars for it every day, Castiel replies, voice dripping with sarcasm. But when Dean glances over at him as he steps to the computer, he finds a fond smile on his face. So, uh, how do I start this thing? Dean asks, never one to be comfortable with computers. Just click any button on the keyboard and it'll turn back on, Cass calls from the kitchen. Dean does as he's told, and the screen lights up, different windows open of what Cass must have been previously working on. Dean's eyes scroll around the desktop, looking for the iTunes icon, but he accidentally hits on a Skype message chat instead. Before he can minimize it, Dean's eyes catch his name, and before he can stop himself, he starts reading, and what he finds turns his blood cold, making him feel like he's going to vomit and pass out. Instead, he stands up and walks into the kitchen, eyes seeing red and blood rushing so fast and loud in his ears, he's surprised he can hear anything at all. He grits his teeth, watching Castiel flutter around the kitchen trying to finish up making dinner. Do you want beer or wine with dinner? Or I have soda or water if you prefer. Castiel says, not looking up from spooning lasagna onto a plate. Cass, Dean says, voice deadly calm. What's your new book about? Castiel looks up, confusion spreading across his face. I... I haven't exactly decided on it yet. Bullshit. Castiel's eyes go wide, his hands stilling as he straightens his back. Dean, what are you? I don't understand what. I saw that message chat you were having with your editor about me. You're writing a book about me, aren't you? What? No, I, I mean, I wasn't going. Don't you fucking lie to me, you piece of shit. All this time, you've just been using me for a story, haven't you? Dean turns away, stalks back towards the den, 
because he can't stand to look at Castiel right now, can't stand to be close to him. All of this has just been a lie, hasn't it? He chokes out. You were going to use my life, all the shit that's happened to me and to Sammy, and put it in a fucking book and make money off of it. Oh, look at the poor, pitiful orphan boys. Aren't they pathetic? Look at how he has to take his fucking clothes off to get the love his daddy never gave him. Castiel ranges up behind Dean, ducks around him nimbly, and his face is pale as he reaches for Dean. Dean, please listen to me. That's not what... Dean slaps Castiel's hands away. Don't you fucking touch me. Game's over, Cass. You don't have to pretend anymore. Find another ending for your fucking book, because this one sure as hell ain't a happy one. He grabs his keys and stalks to the door, Castiel following close behind, reaching out again and putting a hand on Dean's shoulder to turn him around. Dean, please, if you would just stop and listen to me, I can explain. I swear to God, if you ever lay a fucking hand on me again, I will punch your fucking lights out. Dean twists out of Castiel's grasp and opens the door. He looks over his shoulder to snarl. If you ever come near me or Sam again, you won't get away as easy as you did tonight. He slams the door behind him, blood pounding in his ears and eyes blind to anything around him as he rushes down the hallway. He waits until the elevator door has slid shut before he lets the tears fall.
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.